Claire, and you're listening to the Mother Love Podcast, a show where we talk about the journey of parenting. This is a space where guests open their hearts, gather their courage, and tell the truth about what it means to care for these messy and delightful little ones in today's big, wide, and often overwhelming world. We talk about the pressures, the steep learning curves, and the bittersweet reality of watching our children grow. Parenting asks us to be willing to feel it all, celebration and grief, joy and anguish, fear and courage. So take a breath, let these stories wash over you, and show yourself a little love. We're just going to hit record because all of this is too funny and we need to be recording it. But let's talk more about ASMR real quick and maybe that'll just be the intro. So like when, where do you listen to that? All the crunching. Where have you discovered this? I've never heard of it. Really? What just about like Instagram and stuff? They, they like whisper. So they really have to listen to okay. that. And then they'll crunch. Crunch something. Crunch something. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah. It's like the mouth sounds that people like. Uh-huh. It's, like it's like a satisfying thing. Like I've seen yeah. the YouTube videos where they're like cutting through like Play-Doh or like shattering ice or something that's really satisfying to watch. But I don't know that I've seen just the audio things. Yeah. You haven't done the sound one yet. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. You're just going to have to do it with these headsets. <laughs> it's going to it's gonna be a new thing that we do on Mother Love now. Like instead of starting out with having people introduce themselves, we'll be like, bring your favorite sound. And we're just going to start out with that because I feel like that'd be really telling like if someone brings potato chips that like tells a lot about them or something like mine would probably be like pouring coffee into a cup or something like that you know the sound of my coffee machine as it's making coffee that one would be a good one that's like like that one would relate to mom wake you up get going (laughs) the association with that is like a very much a love relationship for me so yeah 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 well cool okay i'm here with rachel two teeth pichardo and we'll ju- I'm just going to give a little background about how we know each other. We don't know each other super well, but we commissioned you as an artist to do a piece of ledger art for the magazine, um, the Lifts magazine. And, and then I've just bumped into you a couple of times around town. And Amy and I went out to coffee with you when you very first just had your new little one, who's now how old? Almost seven months. Yeah, weird. I know it went by so fast. Yeah. Time is so weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But so welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about your life in the world of Rachel. As of right now. As of right now, like today, like I know you're lacking sleep today, for example. Oh, yeah. Let's Uh, talk about that. (laughs) So toddlers. Yeah. (laughs) Toddlers. Go. My oldest one does not like sleep whatsoever. Fights it till the end. And then, yeah, same with her naps. Mm-hmm. But then my seven-month-old will sleep like a champ mm-hmm. all through the night, no problems. But um, from day one with my oldest, she always had problems sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mine too. Yeah. And how old is, her name's Evie, how old is she now? She is three. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I can relate to that because... My oldest, who's now 11, but like some things you just don't forget. (laughs) One thing, one thing I won't forget is how hard sleep was for us in those beginning times. And one thing that was really hard was that Kyla would always fall asleep while I was nursing. So like she would sleep, like take like short naps whenever I was feeding her. 
which would then impact her sleep. So I remember the doctor telling us like, you have to try to keep her awake while she's nursing. And like, that's impossible. Like I remember even someone telling us to like rub ice cubes on her feet to like keep her awake. And I tried doing it one time and I was like, I can't like, look at these little feet. I can't put ice up against them. But like, right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But the things that you try when you're a new mom and you're desperate to get sleep, like, and to get your kiddo on some sort of a sane schedule but like I just remember that being so hard and and with Kendall too my second like she was a dream slept great still does and so it's just so interesting how that can happen and like thank goodness they're both not that way right where at least one of them is sleeping but it's still such it can be such a struggle yeah um my first one she was always up every like three hours, mm-hmm. three, six, nine, twelve, mm-hmm. yeah, always same. like that. And then when I went back to work after my three months was done, uh, she ended up getting on the grandparents' schedule, sleep schedule. And so me and my husband would go to work at eight a.m. Mm-hmm. and she would keep us up until like three, four in the morning, mm-hmm. and she would sleep until like noon. <laughs> when the grandparents would wake up because they're just on, you know, retirement, totally lovely sleep schedule. Yeah. So she would wake up then and me and dad were just exhausted. Totally. Yeah. So that's rough. But even now though, even though I'm at home now, Mm -hmm. we still got back on that type of schedule where me and her are up at like two in the morning and then we sleep until like 10, right. 11. Yeah. And it's like, is that just our natural type of cycle? Right. Yeah. But it's weird because uh, my husband's family is kind of the same too. And so is mine. We've always all been night owls. Mm-hmm. Like we just thrive better like in the late, late night. Interesting. And it just does not work for um, <laughs> modern modern society. day. And it's like, is it because we're native or indigenous is that just like how we work because a lot of what i've asked around is like a lot of native people are like that too it would be interesting to find if others are like that it would be yeah yeah like one of my old co-workers was like he always teased me and he was like i know you natives don't wake up till noon <laughs> and i looked at him and i was like how'd you know that i was like <laughs> It's like, it's universal. It's not just like my family. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have heard when we're, when Amy has taught about cultural safety, like one of the considerations for providers is that like, there is a different understanding and perception of time Mm -hmm. a lot of times in native and indigenous communities. And so it's harder for people to understand like strict rigid policies around like appointment times that have to be on this day at this time. And there's no like wiggle room. Like if you're not there within 15 minutes, like your appointment gets canceled, you know, all these things. And so Amy often talks about like that, even that is like a consideration of like clinics who have opened up their hours more so that it is more like on these certain days, walk-ins are more of a thing or whatever, like Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful. So I have heard that before that like, it's just a different cultural perspective on time and having it not be so linear and rigid yeah um i've also read something like villages too there wouldn't be any hour of the day where somebody would be up Mm -hmm. everybody would be just either awake four in the morning five in the morning like everybody had their own type of sleep schedule Mm -hmm. when they woke up so it's like oh yeah that's actually 
it makes sense it doesn't make me feel so crazy yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah but it still makes you sleepy when your toddler won't go to sleep oh yeah yeah of course have you found any like specific tips or tricks that do help well <laughs> the bath is great but the best thing is not having any electronics afterwards mm -hmm. so that is one that like I made a big mistake on because it's like, you know what? I like watching Finding Nemo. Yeah. Like, you know, Disney. I love Disney. And so... And it I would, seems like chill time and downtime. Yeah. Yeah. But it does actually, like, uh, keep her stimulated. Mm -hmm. And so that was keeping her up. Mm -hmm. So the best way that um, we found was to, like, give her a bath and then, yeah, no screen after that. Mm -hmm. Trying to do books and mm -hmm. trying to calm her down and play with toys and stuff. And then, yeah, we usually don't have an have an issue but um why it's getting off now is because i'm in the final uh stretch of the semester mm -hmm. for school mm -hmm. and so i'm on my computer trying to get stuff done yeah and so she sees that and is like hey how come i don't get to be on something yeah yeah right and yeah she has to go to sleep with us too like mm -hmm. same time yeah. yeah yeah she won't go to sleep on her own yeah Oh so. man, does she? Do you guys still share a room or a bed or yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Um, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't co-sleep," but I love holding her. And you I, only get those moments for so long. I think that whatever works for every family is what works for every family. It's a yeah. really personal decision. Yeah. I mean, it works, but then it doesn't work. Right. Then sometimes I'm tired. Right. And then I wake up yeah. and I have the girls on me. I have my dogs on me. <laughs> I have yeah. everybody on me. <laughs> yeah. It's trade-offs, right? But then you do remind yourself, like, this won't be forever. Yeah. So it's yeah. always those trade-offs. Yeah. So you're going to school. Tell us about that. So I've been going to school for a while, like, just trying to get my college degree. I'm not the best student. And I think a lot of that is just because, like, I... I'm an artist. I draw mm -hmm. and I express through like music and visual arts. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing with school has to be with writing. And that has always been my weakness is yeah. writing. Yeah. It's um, a lot of writing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it just feels kind of redundant. Mm -hmm. And writing essays or research papers. I'm like, what am I going to do this again? Right. Or if I do, it's very like minimal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it has just been like the hardest thing, but I'm doing it this semester. I'm almost there. Good job. And I don't think I'll graduate, but I'm going to be so proud if I just finish my writing class and my public spe speaking. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. What are you focusing on uh, studying? Well, art. Mm -hmm. So my biggest dream is to go to IAIA mm -hmm. in Santa Fe mm -hmm. um, and do like studio work there. So it's just this big like Native American yeah. um, college cool. over there focused on the arts. So um, hopefully getting like my bachelor's or my uh, master's over there. Mm -hmm. so, Whoa, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And being in inspired by other indigenous people and seeing what they're doing and they're creating because yeah. their art down there is way different yeah. from up here yeah so it would be a cool experience so yeah and this was kind of a like a prerequisite that you had to do in order to apply there or mm, you're just trying to get the pre 
prerequisites out gotcha. so that when I get down there, I can have fun. I see. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. I can take the fun classes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I do think that like I, you know, I'm an English major and, and I had to do a lot of essays and sometimes I think back on that time and I remember in particular, like, like being really challenged by my Shakespearean classes and having to read like Shakespeare and analyze that and write big essays on it. And it did feel really like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I turning this into a professor who already knows all of this? Like, what's the point of it? But I did feel like even in doing that, it made me like work hard and focus on something I didn't want to do and have to get it done anyway. And it made me really have to think critically about things in a way that I think still serves me now. Yeah. Even though it has nothing to do with Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like kind of those life skills. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I did hate that. <laughs> like, I hated getting up <laughs> at 5 a.m. and like deciphering these really pretty messed up plays, you know. Yeah. But I, now I look back and I'm like, okay, well, that did help me be more dedicated or. Yeah. And yeah. what it's helping with right now is like definitely the language part yeah. and cutting out right. or trimming the fat, as they say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can say that with less words mm-hmm. and I don't need to use like. And <laughs> It's interesting, huh? I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I didn't know that you were in school. So that's a discovery for me. Yeah. So that, that's been the other challenge in lack of sleep Mm -hmm. and just trying to balance uh, my two girls. So I have the seven month old and the three year old. And then I just decided to get a new puppy. Oh my gosh. In the mix of this. What? (laughs) Everyone always says this. This is like, this is like a, I feel like it's an example of how much we lose our minds when we're raising young children is like people often decide to throw a puppy in the mix when they have like tiny kids that they're raising at home. They're like, you know what we should do? We should get a puppy. Yeah. And like, it just seems like a reasonable move somehow, but like, Oh no, now there's a puppy. How's that going? Uh, It's good and bad. It's it's crazy because he's just like the kids. It's like when it's good, yeah. they're so good. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, chaos just yeah. hits. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to the bathroom on the carpet. Um, Somebody's having a tantrum. Yeah, the toddler's throwing something. <laughs> the baby is hungry. And <laughs> yeah. <It's laughs> but just... it only lasts for like 45 minutes. But then once it's done, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all breathing. I made it. Yeah. What is the dog's name? Uh, Kino. Oh, what yeah. kind of a dog? What's the story? So a toy Aussie, a Corgi, and a blue healer. Oh my gosh. That's like a dream combination. Yeah, that's what that's I couldn't pass it I up. mean, now I kind yeah. of see why he did that. <laughs> so I've always wanted a Corgi. Yeah. And my husband always wanted a blue healer. Mm-hmm. And this dog, I got it from uh, one of my old coworkers. She's so great. She was like, hey, I have these dogs um, for sale. But she wanted to do a barter for my artwork. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I know. I mean, at the same time, it's like, oh, no, what did I just do? Yeah. Like, I already have a plate full. And now I have this other little life on my hands. Yep. Yeah. But that's a dream combo. I don't blame you. And so um, we already had two other dogs. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But... It was a house full of girls and my husband. And I feel like we just needed another man in the house. There you go. 
Yeah, that was the justification right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about you being an artist and pursuing art and that I know you through art. So will you just kind of talk about what led you to want to pursue that? Like I imagine you were probably creative as a kiddo Mm -hmm. and just, we talk about kind of your journey with becoming an artist. Uh, yeah. So I always like was drawing when I was a kid. Um, my, my grandma would always let me draw in her room. She had the best Sharpies, but like, I always had to turn them in by the end of the hour. (laughs) I feel like that's a good rule with Sharpies. Those things are elusive creatures. Yeah, Yeah. they are, but they're the best (laughs) at the time. Yeah. When you get older, you're like, oh, these actually aren't that great. They're really hard to work with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so I was always just like in my art classes there. It's really what got me through school too. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I felt like I didn't really learn in the way like, you know, school is kind of set up. Like art was the way that got me through it and made me want to go. Um, and so I always did it, but it was always more just like for myself or I would draw for gifts. And then I would also, um, bead too. So my grandma taught me how to bead when I was around like eight and, Um, I just never really took it like as serious as she did. I mean, she would bead every day. Like that's how she made her living was selling beadwork with barrettes and earrings and, uh, necklaces, all of it. She had a store, um, downtown from 2008, I think 2013. Yeah. Um, Here? Yeah. Here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just downtown by the No Sweat Cafe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that shop. Yeah. yeah, so her and my aunt had that, and they ran that together. So we would, like, as family, would always go down there and bead, or um, sometimes I would paint. My grandma mm-hmm. would have me paint. And then, yeah, I just never really knew what I wanted to draw or what I specialized in until after uh, my grandma passed away in 2016. And then my dad was cleaning out his garage, and he found all these uh, ledger papers mm-hmm. from her store that she had in the 90s Mm -hmm. and so ledger art is pretty significant to like native people and storytelling uh before there was like written language um indigenous people would draw on whatever paper that they could find so that they can you know still be able to tell Mm -hmm. their story at the time so it could be something of like war or a ceremony that they could still pass on and so it's still something that's kept alive today. Uh, most like native people, if they find like papers, they want to find them from like the early, like 1900s, 1800s, like the old paper to match and draw their pictures now. But I thought it was just so incredible that I found ledger, ledger paper that was my grandma for my grandma. And it was her handwriting on Mm -hmm. there. And she has really nice handwriting. Yeah. And I remember always staring at it too, being like, grandma, your handwriting's so nice. And she's all like, I know I used to get, (laughs) get beat for this if I did not write because she was in the boarding school so she was in the boarding school from she was like I think three or four up until she was 17 and she ran away with my grandpa oh my gosh yeah that's a long time I couldn't even imagine that would be like me sending Evie off right and she said like her parents would only come and see her just like during the summertime, like oh just gosh. some breaks. And then she rarely saw her brother who was also in boarding school. They'd see each other in passing. And yeah, she just said it was really um, tough. She didn't really talk about it too much. Yeah. 
uh, she still felt very like naive to the world. Mm-hmm. She kind of missed out on a lot. So my grandmother yeah. was full-blooded. Uh, well, she was Ponderé and a little bit Kootenai mm-hmm. and grew up on the um, Flathead Reservation, but got sent to boarding schools all around the U.S., like Chimawa and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, she met my grandpa. They ran away, yeah. and that's how she ended up in Helena because wow. that's where his family's from. So he's Chippewa Cree, yeah. um, kind of from Rocky Boy. Is he still here with you? Uh, My grandpa? Yeah. No, he passed away when I was like three or four. Oh, okay. Yeah, when I was really little. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, my grandma was like my main figure in my life. And so with these ledger papers, um, it was just a way for me to still craft with my grandma Mm because that's what I always did when I was growing up. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so I could still do stories with her and... um, and I see her handwriting and some of her papers that she has. She wasn't the best at spelling. Some of them <laughs> say deposits instead of deposits. Mm-hmm. So it makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, classic grandma. Yeah, totally. And so we haven't found or we didn't find those until like 2017. Uh-huh. And so that's when I kind of... T- dove into doing ledger art and Mm -hmm. realizing like the colored pencils really went well on there and the ink yeah um because yeah i can paint draw uh do charcoal and all of that but that has to be like my main yeah focus yeah what i love doing yeah yeah cool and i know that you've done some work for wick and you've done like will you talk about some of your recent projects in the past few years and who you've done who you've illustrated pieces for um so wick was one of my other uh big one um they wanted a nursing mother like indigenous to reach like native communities so that one was really cool i think amy Mm -hmm. helped me get that one too um but my favorite one out of that series was the mom where she's using like the breast pump yeah i like that one and uh so as of right now i have two more commissions from them that Mm -hmm. i'm working on uh i have berry picking and uh reflection so uh i'm working on those in my studio i'm at omorta now which oh, is so exciting. oh my gosh i love that place so much we do they're so great they Chris are so Leah. great yeah they are so great shout yeah. out to omerta they're yeah. wonderful what they're doing there that's so cool that you're there yeah i got a, like a small little studio section and i'm focused on uh doing my ledger pieces so it's like perfect for me right now cool and yeah i'm working on these new pieces so berry picking i'm so excited for because it's going to be different mm-hmm. um, when you think of ledger art you always think of stuff in like early like 1900s 1800s mm-hmm. like traditional where but berry picking i want to do it a mom like um shopping mm-hmm. like with a shopping cart and taking her kids and grabbing strawberries at the store yeah because like ideally yes i would love to pick berries with my kids yeah we all would yeah like natural and everything <laughs> totally but no i just gotta go to the store yeah and get it yeah so it's more of like a current representation yeah of what we're doing now but you know then I'm it's just, then it's like closely obsessively examining which berry carton to pick out and looking for like uh-oh like are there bad ones in here that's like the the modern version of berry picking yeah yeah and i'm just so excited to still be able to like eat strawberries with my daughter year round yeah yep 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 yep, yep. you know (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And cool. Then, uh, reflection will be about um, a mom and a daughter, and they're looking at a like a water reflection, and just seeing like yourself and your kiddo and your kid being like, no, I see my mom in there. Like I see me as my mom mm-hmm. and just like how it intertwines. Yeah. You know, just like how much of us as mom we see in our kiddos. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you, and I don't know if you feel like talking about this or not, if you don't just say pass, but what was your relationship with your own mom? Like, was she a part of your life? Uh, yeah, no, so mine is really good with my mom. That's another ledger piece that I'm working on, too. I just, when you mentioned that your grandma was <laughs> one of your main figures, I didn't know if maybe she was, you yep. know, the the main female figure in your life. Uh, well, so I'm the youngest out of, um, there's four of us, and I have three older brothers. Mm-hmm. And so my two oldest brothers really gave my parents troubles. And so that's kind of where my my mom's focus was was trying to get them under control and so me and my um third oldest brother would always uh go to my grandma's Mm -hmm. house and so we would always be over there playing Mm -hmm. you know my mom's trying to round the boys up and so (laughs) yeah (laughs) but my mom's a really good cook and so i ended up getting these uh ledger papers from uh the helena indian alliance Mm -hmm. and i they're blank they don't have any writing on them. And so what I asked, I was like, mom, can you write your fry bread recipe down for me? Oh, cool. Uh, and then I'll do some ledger ledger art on the side. And then I want to make prints and give them to my siblings for us to have. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, if you have any other recipes you want to write down and give mm-hmm. to us, I was like, yeah. yeah. And oh, so that's cool. She did that for me. And I was, yeah, it's, it's cute because she put on her love mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about part of um, one of the past episodes when we talked to Dr. Palacios, like a lot of her work has to do with, you know, intergenerational trauma and specifically around like the the impact of boarding schools and what that the erosion and the the damage. I think she actually used the word like ripping or rupture that occurred Um in mothers specifically, like just the uh, kind of that there's a residual fear and hurt and shame that exists. And so knowing that your grandmother was in boarding school for all of those years, does your mom talk about at all how that impacted their relationship? Does she talk about that or is it just kind of something that people don't like to talk about very much in your family? Um, so actually that's uh, my dad's mom. Mm. Who I'm super close with, but um, my my mom really hasn't said too much about like how her mom was. Her mom was full Cree from Canada, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, I guess I really haven't asked her. But with my dad, the intergenerational trauma, they haven't really spoke about it much, but it's definitely felt. It was definitely seen. And one thing with uh, my grandma mm. was uh, she just didn't feel smart enough and coming out into like working working world and so one of one of the biggest things that she said was like I I didn't know what to what to do she was like I didn't feel smart enough I couldn't really do receptionist work she wasn't really good at writing like the language like I mean her handwriting was beautiful but like just writing like letters and stuff she wasn't too great at and the school didn't really prepare her in that way 
And so she said she was crying and she was praying. She's all like, God, what do I, what do I do? How do I provide for my four babies? And she felt like God said, like, you have right in front of you. And she looked down and she saw her beads. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she just took off on, on beading. Like she did it every single day and that's how she made her living. Mm -hmm. And she has beadwork all over the place. Oh, that's so cool. It, It wasn't like, uh, the, but it's not like she made a lot of money. But she made just enough to get through. Right. And she'd always say, I was rich with love and not wealth. But yeah, she loved her family yeah. more than anything. But definitely the hardest part probably has to be like the the wealth part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But indigenous people have to or like kind of struggle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think the like teachings that they can give us is super valuable. Like, I'm so grateful for my grandma to be able to teach me how to bead Mm -hmm. and so that I can teach others how to do that too. And my girls and just the patients that come with it and um, just kind of like the bonding experience too that you have because you sit there for hours. It's not something that's done in a few hours. You have to slow down and be dedicated. Yeah. Months. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What are your, some of your favorite beading projects that you've done? Do you still do it often or are you more focused on? other projects uh i i do it but it, it usually has to be a fast project because yeah. i don't have like the attention span so if well, i can it's like puppies yeah. and babies and <laughs> sleep schedules and you know yeah all the things and toddlers with beads yeah. like they totally. just don't mix not like, a good mix yeah it's like glitter they just end up everywhere. everywhere and then forever yeah and you're still finding them like a year later you're like oh okay it's uh, you know i can handle the beads it's the thread yeah and then it's like you know i just i That's keep true. pulling it and then i find every single spot that she went it's just wrapped around yep. the house mm-hmm. i could see that that'd be hard yeah yeah but if i do have time wrapping has to be my favorite so making keychains or necklaces earrings um flat stitch or mm-hmm. kind of my go-to but i kind of i kind of jump all over the place in yeah crafting yeah so right now i feel like i'm in my season of like ledger art uh-huh and um sewing yeah it's my other one yeah yeah so i mean even adam Muerta, jason over there was so gracious and gave me this really nice sewing machine oh, and cool yeah because I, I really had a love-hate relationship with sewing yeah i googled how to do all of it and it was a rough time like, <laughs> I, I massacred at least two sewing machines three like, yeah <laughs> i would have no idea what to do yeah. yeah i was just so determined to learn how to make my own uh regalia so yeah. jingle dress and also ribbon skirts so yeah i was i was on a mission and yeah those you figured quarters. it out yeah kind of kind of i got through it yeah i mean but my sewing machines didn't yeah it's okay <laughs> They kept coming. You have you have one now that works, right? Yeah, and um, Jason was so nice to show me how to like the proper ways and to clean it. And uh-huh. I was like, awesome. oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, have you successfully created some of the things that you set out to? Uh, yeah. So right now, I'm doing a we're doing a project on uh creating star quilts. So my oh, first cool. one, um, me and my husband signed up for a class at the Helena Indian Alliance and we're hoping to make these star quilts for our daughters. And yeah, so that's my first project on the sewing machine. And then also my 
skirt that I made yeah. that I'm wearing currently. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's cow print. I, I love was it. Inspired by Selena. I love it. And also that I'm a milk cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Representing. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, gosh, where should we go from here? Let's talk a little bit about. I've I've had the chance to I was volunteering at Central Elementary where my kids go mm-hmm. and I had the chance to meet your husband because he had come in and he was teaching some really fun games and teaching the kids about indigenous culture and native culture in Montana mm-hmm. and it was it was just like so awesome it was super fun and I didn't know until later on like that you two are a couple like oh my god what a beautiful like power couple the two of you are but I would love to hear like what what's that been like and tell us a little bit about his work uh so Joseph works at Capitol High School. He's the Indian Education for All tutor there. Um, so he mostly just works with the high schoolers and trying to get them through. Mm-hmm. And if he can, he tries to do some cultural activities. Um, but it, it, it's kind of hard, you know, it gauges like interest and then also just trying to get the kids through it. But um, once he's done there for like sixth and seventh period, he gets to leave and go hang out with the kids at the other schools like the elementaries and they love him yeah they do yeah we'll see him like at walmart or something and mm-hmm. they'll point they'll stop dead in their tracks and be like it's mr joe yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he yeah. has a, doesn't he have a game called like run and scream or something yeah what's it called run and scream that is the name of it yeah yeah so (laughs) so i think i mean any kid's gonna love a teacher who comes in and is like okay here's what we're gonna do today we're gonna run and scream like they're all like oh thank god like that's what i felt like doing this whole day you know yeah Yeah. it's way more fun doing it with the adults yeah because they're so awkward the first round and the next time they're like yeah Yeah. i got this Uh, Mm -hmm. we i think at the beginning of October, I want to say we went to the YWCA mm-hmm. and played the traditional games with the ladies there. And we had them do run and scream. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they loved it. It yeah. was like, yeah, like when as an adult, you get a scream like, right. We need to yell too. We yeah. probably need to be the main ones to yell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Agreed. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he just uh, goes to the elementaries and gets to play uh, traditional indigenous games. And it, it's such a great uh, representation because um, most of the time, like when you get asked to teach the culture they want, you know, they're like, Oh, well, can you make regalia? And it's like, that. That takes a long time and it's usually like family and it's like there's beadwork that goes into it that takes months and right it's not just like cutting and gluing and like yeah yeah Yeah. and so uh the traditional games are just such a great like quick way to bring like um indigenous culture and just involve Mm -hmm. a lot more people and um it doesn't cost anything like if you play like make or run and run and scream like you don't even need anything you mm-hmm. just run and scream and see who gets the farthest and yeah. then you have a um, rock and fist mm-hmm. three sticks and a rock super like, simple but like so fun the kids love it yeah. yeah i think that especially like kids are exposed now to so many complicated things and so many things that have their like you know, just technology and everything is bombarding them all the time with like choices and decisions and all these things. And I think I could watch them just sort of light up not only with like it being simple, but I feel like it kind of leveled the um, playing field in the classroom because like everyone got it. 
and everyone could do it right away. And it wasn't like this thing of like, oh, I don't like, I don't understand. Or, you know, there was no like one kid's better at this than the other. Like it's a very like equal game all the way across the board. And it was really just fun to see them embrace that and just have so much fun together doing it. Yeah. And he's so enthusiastic and like such a fun teacher in that way because his energy just like matches the kids' energy, you know? Yeah, he he has definitely like perfected it and got it down because <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't really got to see him in action so much until uh, this last year we got to go to Yellowstone mm. and um, I was a fill-in too uh, mm-hmm. for a featured artist. And I was like, hey, can I bring my husband? He does traditional games. And it's like, you know, I mean, I got my crafts. I got like my ledger art. I got sewing, beadwork and all of that that I can showcase. But he really stole the show over there too, (laughs) just teaching the games. And I was watching him like, man, he really has got his craft down. Like, it's amazing. Like, I want to play these games again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. And so it's funny because uh, we actually met in high school playing traditional games um jeremy red eagle uh taught us how to play double ball which is actually a divorce game Mm -hmm. but that's how i met my husband (laughs) what do you mean a divorce game (laughs) it's a divorce game double ball is a divorce game um so it was only played it was only played by women Uh uh-huh and it it looks exactly like how it sounds because it's Mm -hmm. supposed to shame out the man Mm -hmm. and so if the man wasn't treating it the way that I'm teaching it is also the Sioux way. Yeah. It's a divorce game because okay. it was like a plain, Plains game, like adapted through tribes. But I was taught the Sioux way. And so, yeah, the balls look like um, balls. Yeah. <laughs> just shame out the man. You yeah. get a stick and it's almost like lacrosse. Oh, yeah. So um, if your husband wasn't treating you right and just, you know, wasn't providing well and uh-huh. you wanted to end it, you would host this game. You would take all of his stuff out of the teepee and that would be the main prize. And so what would happen is you would either have like neighboring clans or your own family playing for his stuff, but then he would also have his family playing for this stuff. So he'd recruit his sisters and his aunties and cousins. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And um, the goalposts could be anywhere from like a mile apart to however close mm-hmm. and the games can go for however long but it was only played by women and yeah but we met playing that game because we adapted it adapted it to where you know want to be more inclusive Mm -hmm. and get more people um playing it but there are rules to where um men can be kind of rougher with the men but they have to be respectful to the women yeah but women it's their game so we have like the Mm-hmm. the upper hand so we could use our hips and kind of like nudge them more and yeah but if you see a guy doing that then they can get yeah out yeah. oh funny yeah huh. it's super active that one's fun we don't really teach it to the kids because it's it <laughs> sticks like, yeah. and um well surprisingly the kids actually do fairly well with it. it's more like the middle schoolers yeah, and high yeah, schoolers yeah, yeah. that are like yeah Come they on. they know a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll like uh, hurt each other more. Yeah. And I can like, see that. the younger kids are a little more still respectful towards each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how it, how it is. And uh, it has its good and it's uh, kind of negative that when you teach 
not necessarily negative, but the good part, like when you're teaching to the older kids is that you get to teach about the reciprocity mm-hmm. of the games mm-hmm. and how you harvest the material and how they come from the earth. And I uh, usually give like prairie tobacco down, um, before you like harvest like the willows or something mm-hmm. and then being respectful to your equipment you know it's not something that you get to go to the store and pick up right yeah and so that one's one that kind of resonates with the older kids but sometimes the younger kids but at the same time they're just like i want to play yeah yeah you can only <laughs> run and scream <laughs> and hit balls yeah yeah and then already just with like the basic rules right. you gotta like they're tell like, them at least like, four enough, times enough, enough. yeah totally <laughs> yeah yeah so. yeah well let's let's talk a little bit about too like just your experience of pregnancy and birth and what it's been like on your feeding journey like everybody has such a unique story of that but what were those what were those experiences like for you like I guess that's a hard thing to put in a nutshell version but you just talk we'll just like kind of rewind a little bit and talk about your journey of becoming a mother uh so it started off very well like in 20 2019 and then, of course, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so I was pregnant during COVID. And I worked at uh, the Helena Indian Alliance in the medical side. And so they were gracious enough to let me work from home. Mm-hmm. Or I actually got sent home for a little bit because they didn't want to expose me since yeah. I had baby. Um, but it it was, it was kind of hard. Um, Joe couldn't go into, like, the doctor's appointments with me yeah that is hard yeah and i was like oh i need some moral support but then i realized it was just like getting get out like baby's good you're good okay you're good go yeah and i was like oh that's it yeah oh that's oh for some reason i thought it'd be more magical i mean he was still lucky or able to go to like the ultrasound appointments with me um so that was good uh but then having evie uh it was still kind of I had her in August of 2020, so COVID was kind of winding down, but still everybody was precautious and needed the masks. And, um, yeah, that experience, it was was weird. Yeah. The doctors didn't seem like they wanted to really touch me or go in there. So Mm. I was like, is this kind of normal? But where I feel like I kind of went wrong with that was... um, I got induced mm-hmm. and I didn't need it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And so I feel like it robbed me yeah. of, you know, that experience of, you know, feeling like contractions and, um, like the, the rawness of, you know, becoming a mother yeah. and like those feelings and stuff. And it was just kind of like the recommended procedure. Cause they're like, Oh, well, you know, it's safer to do this. And you kind of, like looking back on it it's kind of like oh i feel like you guys did that because of it's more convenient for you totally actually it's so common yeah yeah i almost had to get a c-section yeah and then i didn't know that pitocin was so hard on the body yeah either right and yeah it was just it was it was rough yeah my first one was rough going into labor and i had this one nurse that um it oh she was memorable definitely (laughs) Uh, i was getting close to pushing evie out and my nurse was like hey i gotta leave like nurse switch 
seven in the morning she was leaving i was like please don't leave me and she's like no i gotta go home and i was like oh man okay yeah. and then even my um midwife was yeah. like hey i gotta go to great falls like bye i was like what you were you're leaving me too and she was like yeah i gotta i gotta go like pretty much like i took too long and so they had Whoa. this new nurse come in and she was kind of like smaller older lady uh-huh. and she was just she came in like she drank like two coffee pots like she was just hyphy and she was like we're gonna get this baby out like let's do this and i'm like oh no and she was jumping on the bed with me and every time i had a contraction she was putting her fingers in me to see like where the baby was and she was telling me to like um push on her arm and she was like really tiny too and she she looked at me and she's like we're gonna get this baby out i was like oh my god i was i was like after about like 45 minutes of her just all over the place and kind of stressing me out more i was like crying i was telling Aww. joe i was like tell her to stop like yeah. tell her to stop please yeah. and then um joe's so nice yeah and he was like hey like you're stressing her out like can you bring it back and for some reason it scared her and made her like super nervous after that and so she kind of like tiptoed around and then i was um almost ready to like push every out like her head was right mm-hmm. there and she looks at me and she's like can you stop the doctor's not even here and i was like an hour and a half has passed since my midwife left and you're telling me this whole time that there was no doctor on shift and she's like yeah you need to stop pushing the doctor's not here what yeah i was like oh my oh, god Rachel, that's so <laughs> awful yeah she like stressed me out so bad i ended up hitting the uh the button again for because i got the epidural yeah yeah she just like it was so bad i'm so sorry that happened um the doctor came in he was male and i was like you know what i i did my best because i didn't want to have a male doctor yeah you know yeah at all and yet that's you know you get what you get don't throw a fit type of deal and yeah he came in just like two minutes and then he pushed every out and then cleaned up and then he left and i was like Aww. yeah yeah that's so hard and the i don't know if it was the pitocin or the epidural mm-hmm. but it made me sick yeah so they would like sit me up and i would just throw up and it was yeah, yeah it was and like you said it's bad. it's like just so far from what you had in mind and like anticipated for all those months yeah and then when it goes so drastically different and is so much more like forced and hard and out of your control mm-hmm. like in ways that it shouldn't be right like yes yeah birth is its own force and it we are at some point we do have to kind of just surrender to the process of it yeah but like being out of control in ways that are really unfair to a mother mm-hmm. that's where it gets hard I think and yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm continually surprised and appalled. <laughs> I don't mean to like <laughs> be negative, but I listen to story after story where I can't believe that like these things are still happening today mm-hmm. like on a very regular basis. I do not get it. Yeah. And like what like is it because it's happening kind of like behind the scenes because birth is a private thing or, you know, like, I don't know why it's still, these things are still going on, but 
I am so sorry that happened. And I wish I could rewind and go back to both of our and so many other birds and just like, and then I, it was COVID. So the only person who can be in the room was Joe Yeah, and, um, didn't have my mom or I couldn't have anybody else in there. Yeah. So, but Joe was great. He was actually better. He was better than the nurse. I bet. I mean, I think my daughter could have been better better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he was telling, because I couldn't feel like when I was having contractions and he's like, all right, you're having one like push and he would count for me. Like he was great. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He was such a good support. Like I couldn't have done it without him. Yeah. But, um, Evie's wasn't so great, but then having pretty sky, uh, I was like, I'm not getting induced. I do not want to get yeah. induced. I was like, I want to know what it's kind of like to go mm-hmm. into labor and mm-hmm. feel the contractions. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in because I was uh, five days over mm-hmm. um, from having her. And they're like, well, you don't want to go over a week. If you have a week, then um, you want to get induced. And I was like, no, no I'm going to do what I need to right? to get her out. And so... Um, it was a Sunday and I was actually scheduled to go in to get induced and they called me at like 5 PM and they were like, Hey, where are you at? Like, you're supposed to be here. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going. I was like, I know I'm a week late. And they're like, well, you know, the complications yeah. and the risks. I'm right. like, I'm gonna go for it. Okay. If I yeah. need you, I'll come in, Yeah, but I'm all right. And, um, so after I got off the phone, I went and walked a the high school track and yeah. it kickstarted my labor and no way. that's so cool yeah so um i waited i think until like four in the morning and then finally i went in and they were like hey we got your room ready like right <laughs> you were supposed to be here and i was like yeah i wasn't gonna deuce you're like oh, yeah i was supposed to be here but on her time on my time yeah, yeah. and so i'm just so glad i waited yeah totally i wish i would have waited for evie but i, I was you don't know. And you were so excited to right. meet your baby. You are so excited to meet your baby. Gone. And as a new mom, the second that anyone says to you, you're putting your baby at risk yeah. by not doing this, like when we don't know yeah. that, that we have our own intuition and can trust it, mm-hmm. like, of course, you're going to listen to what someone tells you in that context, right? Like I remember being really disappointed and being really scared and feeling like, no, this is not what I want. And I know that like, she's just not ready to come out yet. But like, but I wasn't going to ignore this advice that people were telling me, like I could potentially harm my baby if I didn't listen to them, you know, Mm -hmm. like then it was like, okay, well I can't put my own needs or wants or whatever above what my baby might need or what needs to happen. But then the second time around, you do have more trust. Like, no, like we're in this together and like, you know, this baby's in my body and I'm pretty sure that we can trust that the timing is going to be right. But like, I just didn't have that with my first. Yeah. I can, I can see why women get doulas. Yeah. Like having an advocate like that. I was like, Oh man, that would have been for your first baby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have been so nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, my second one, I was just like, we're gonna, whatever happens. Like I felt, I felt it. It hurt. Mm-hmm. Still got the epidural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. It really hurt. But, um, yeah, she, she came out, um, well, no, she, she did really good, but her heart rate dropped. Yeah. And it was like, I was in pain for the longest mm-hmm. time from the contractions. And just when I was relaxing, they were like, Rachel, you got to flip. And I was like, 
what do you mean I have to flip? Like, I can't feel my legs. Right. <laughs> They're like, you got to get on all fours. I was like, how? How do I do that? Uh, oh, I don't have legs right now. I only yeah. have twos. I can only get on all twos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they came in and they flipped me because their heart rate was dropping. And luckily, like, um, it, it was, that was an experience because my bones are hanging out. Yeah. And everybody's coming in. Right. And I was like, man, halfway through, someone, <laughs> someone was like, someone finally threw a blanket over me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then they were like, Rachel, you can flip. And I was like, no. Is she okay? Like, is she fine? Is she yeah. going to be all right if I flip back? They're like, yeah, you'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So I went back, pushed her out. Everything was great, but I hemorrhaged really bad. Oh. And so I almost had to get a blood transfusion. Yikes. And so just recovering from that was, it was, it was kind of hard. Yeah. Like, I didn't know losing blood would, you feel a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you need a lot of blood Seems in your like body. You need it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Was that pretty scary? Uh, yeah. Yeah. After um, probably about like 20 minutes, 30 minutes of them trying to like rub on my belly mm-hmm. and trying to get it to stop. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I couldn't stop shaking. Yeah. I had like 10 blankets on me yeah. and I was freezing. Yeah. And yeah, I just couldn't stop shaking. I couldn't really enjoy baby. They were trying to get me to have her to latch. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel good because they right. also did the Pitocin and they tried to sit up and I got sick. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was rough, but once we it got through it, it was, it was good. Yeah. It's a good experience. And mm-hmm. then breastfeeding was definitely way easier. First time around, I almost gave up with Evie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause breastfeeding is it's a journey it's a journey and man if you don't know what you're doing which you just are assume that you're supposed to and then it's hard to ask for help like yeah oh it can it can hurt so bad (laughs) i thought thought it was gonna be easy too like just you know they just latch on you make milk and you're good i thought it was gonna be like as easy as breathing yeah or blinking so like I. i really did same here that was a mistake yeah (laughs) and I kept waiting for it to become that easy like Mm -hmm. I kept just being like oh we're gonna get it yeah and like it just got worse and worse and it was harder and harder and it it was so hard and it was so devastating when that doesn't go well because like it for so many reasons but just like the bond that is created when nursing is going well is like when it's not you know like you know you yeah. know that it's supposed to be this time that is so yummy and cozy and wonderful and mm-hmm. you know full of beautiful bonding moments and like for me it was excruciatingly painful mm-hmm. and that caused this like almost like subtle resentment of like every time baby got hungry then I was like it was like not even like a mental or emotional resentment but like a physical like my body was like uh-oh yeah like here comes pain you know and that was really terrible for us yeah did how long did you last breastfeeding I well it's a kind of a long story but I kept through it and I did eventually like get help you know a little bit yeah like I think someone came to the house because Kyla wasn't gaining weight so a nurse would come and weigh her mm-hmm. and would help a little bit with breastfeeding but so I breastfed her all the way up until she was two and I mm-hmm. breastfed all through my second pregnancy. Um, and then when Kendall, my second was about to be born, you know, 
we weaned like when Kai turned two and then Kendall was born three months later. Yeah, that's um, what I did. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. Which is its own kind of intense journey of like, oh man, like sometimes I'm like, is all the sibling rivalry that we're experiencing <laughs> after all these years that have to do with like me cutting yeah. Kai off and then Kendall was born and got to nurse. Yeah. There was like a couple of times where I tried to nurse like tandem, like tried to nurse both of them like after just to see how it would go. And yeah. like, I just knew like we couldn't do that. That was going to be way too hard. But anyway, so we pushed through that journey. There was a time where Kyla got really sick and couldn't breastfeed. Like she had to have a pre-broken down formula, like a specialized formula because she was super sick. So I pumped all through that time and eventually we were able to go back to breastfeeding. But that was a really hard thing after she had had a bottle for so long, like getting her. So anyway, it was a hard, long journey, but... um, I'm glad I stuck with it, but I can also totally understand how some moms just make the decision. Like it just is too hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I don't know why for the first month I was dedicated. I was like, I'm going to do this, but Mm -hmm. I did have to do formula Mm -hmm. too. I had to do half and half Mm -hmm. um, and still just like a little bit throughout because I wasn't making enough milk. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was it's hard yeah yeah props either whatever way people choose like you know most important thing is that your baby's fed yep agreed yep agreed don't let anybody shame you if you choose yeah yeah formula or breastfeeding yeah it's a very complicated personal (laughs) decision you know yeah yeah for sure would you would you be up for a few what we call rapid fire questions to close out the episode it's kind of they're kind of fun yeah they're let's like go for it and you can always say pass if there's one that you're like no way i don't want to tell that okay but we'll go okay number one name one current mom life hack current life hack oh man you know tablet honestly yeah <laughs> it's not really a hack it's kind of a cheat but <laughs> i mean sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my mom or proudest, but you know what? It it gets you through sometimes. It does. <laughs> so that yeah. you can have some you time. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Number okay. two, you've messed up and are stuck in a cycle of mom guilt and shame. How do you climb out? Oh, it's a hard one, too. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's usually those late night ones when you see them sleeping and you yeah, hold them. Right. And you're just like, oh, yeah. this is all kind of, it's all worth it. Yeah. 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 Those ones usually help me through. Mm-hmm. And then just waking up and how happy my girls are to see me. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay, this is good. Yeah. Even though you might harass me in an hour, but that's okay. Totally. Right now we have this moment. Yep. New day. Yeah. Or I've had times where I've, like, completely lost it and, like, been, like, the mom that I never wanted to be, you know? Yeah. Like, lost my temper or whatever, and it's a really... And I feel like an awful monster that should never have been granted mother as a title. And, like, in those moments, I've found that, like, if I text my best friend and just be like, this happened, I'm in the school parking lot, I just dropped everybody off, we were all crying, it was a really stressful morning, like, I'm still crying, (laughs) you know? And, like, and she's like, that was me on Wednesday. You know, like, just having other moms who get it, and it's not like, 
like sometimes you do make really big mistakes and there's repair to be made within your family and with your kids. Mm -hmm. But like having other moms not just be like, oh, it's okay that happens. Like I don't really want that from a friend, but I do want someone to be like, hey, it does happen. It's okay. Like you can talk to them later. They know that you love them. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to have that balance of reminders. I feel like. Yeah, that was totally me on Saturday. Yeah. Like we just had a breakdown. We had the biggest tantrum, and like I just felt like the worst mom because yeah. yeah, I lost Michael. Right. And then, um, yeah, she woke up from a nap and she was just lovely and right. she was smiling at me and I was just like. <laughs> One of us needs to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or both of us, but I guess I'm the one who can talk. So here yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's just like also just having that that goal of wanting to be better mm-hmm. is the best thing that you can do is just being like, you know, I messed up today, but, you know, I set up tomorrow to try to be right. better and make it okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And to say that to our kids, you yeah. know, when they're old enough to understand like, hey, mom lost her temper. I'm really sorry. Like. I don't ever want to yell at you, you know, or whatever. And just having those moments so that they know it's okay to mess up and make mistakes and apologize sincerely too. Yeah. 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 I know she doesn't understand me, but I'll be like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love you. And she'll just look at me like, I know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like having a break. She's like, I'm already over it. Get over it, mom. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Last show that you binged and loved. The last show. Oh, the great British baking show. It's <laughs> my common favorite. One. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, not I'm not like for guests on the podcast necessarily, but like I just hear people like it's one of those shows that people are like, oh, I started watching it and I couldn't stop. Yeah. 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 One of my favorites. I mean, I, I don't think I can ever bake like that, but you know, I mean, the idea is there. It's the thought that counts and maybe one day. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Okay, last question, and then we'll we'll say goodbye. What's the best advice you would offer to another parent at this stage in your parenting journey? Oh man, there's there's kind of a lot, but I I mean, I guess the the thing is is be patient and kind with yourself because it is hard. Yeah, it is so hard. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't know it was gonna be this hard. Yeah, um, but. It, it is actually worth it, like, seeing your kiddos happy. Yeah. But you don't need all the the stuff, like toys and tablets. The best is probably making the experiences mm-hmm. and going outside and playing or going on a trip or having, like, dinner together. Like, those are the experiences mm-hmm. that um, I, I want more of and that I'm trying to mm-hmm. strive for. So hopefully others will too because that is what I remember as a kid especially with like my grandma too yeah it was like the experience of being there not of the stuff that I got right and just being able to be there like fully as fully present as we can be yeah like I imagine when you were with your grandma and you guys were working together you were just like so present in the moment Mm -hmm. and we can bring that quality of like full presence to anyone in our lives but especially our kids mm-hmm. you know and we live in like such a distracting time that it's really really hard to do that but I do think that when we're able to slow down and like say to ourselves like okay this isn't forever like you know my kiddo won't want me to brush her hair forever so like yeah. right now I'm gonna do it even though yeah. it I don't know where these tangles really good <laughs> yeah it's either really good 
or it's really bad. Like right. either that, just like it doesn't last forever. Right. So. Yeah. So try to embrace it just for what it is, I guess. Yeah. Either yeah. learn from it or yeah, just embrace it and enjoy it as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fun. Well, thank you for being on today. I'm so glad you could be here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Mother Love is hosted by Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, the Montana Coalition, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the health and well-being of families who are expecting or raising little ones. Opinions and views expressed in these interviews do not necessarily represent the views of HMHB as an organization. We sincerely value the lived experiences shared on Mother Love, and we understand that not everyone will agree with or relate to all of what is shared. Mother Love exists to help our guests and listeners honor and embrace their own stories and experiences. If the content in this episode has caused you concern or distress, please reach out to someone you trust for support. Speaking up about our struggles is half the battle, sometimes more than half, and there are many providers who can and want to help. Visit our statewide online resource guide at www.hmhb-lifts.org to help you find resources in your area. Thank you to our incredible editor and producer, Brooke Boone Miller, for sharing her gifts with us. She's a mom and she gets it, and for that we are so grateful. 